When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, welcome back, everybody. Episode 33 of the Announcer Schedules podcast. What's going on? I'm your host, Mike Gill. Phil DeMont Mollen is the face, the voice behind the handle at Announcer Schedules. We're going to break it all down. The divisional round is in the book. Championship weekend is here. We got all the news and notes from the big announcing story this weekend, plus the NBA, college basketball, the NHL, and plenty more and let's get it started episode 33 don't forget like rate review subscribe leave us a comment leave us a question leave us a message on the sports media watch feed you get three for the price of one and this one is coming at you here phil we got episode 33 we're almost to the super bowl the divisional round two saturdays two sundays the games are in the books and this weekend we got the heavy hitters yeah, we've got a lot to discuss on on this podcast. You know, heavy hitters coming up in NFL championship uh, round and then uh, plenty more across the world of sports media. Yeah, so let's get right into it. The NFL, uh, Saturday, Sunday, we had uh, obviously NBC had that first game, Jacksonville, Kansas City. They had their A team on it, Tariko Collinsworth. On the radio, you had Harlan, Trent Green, Olivia Decker, which I have a little note uh, on that. I see you have a note on that as well, so I want to hear your note as well. But uh, that was the Saturday game, Tariko Collingsworth, and uh, obviously they had a pretty interesting game there with the injury. Yeah, interesting game, and I was able to catch a, a good bit of this and you know, just kind of reinforced the idea that uh, Mike Tariko is – you know, uh, one of the top in in the class, you know, no doubt. And, you know, it seemed like a a good broadcast altogether for me. It was, it was certainly interesting with the Mahomes injury and then Henny coming in and very uh, astute. I mean, you know, from Collinsworth and Tariko both to keep on talking about Henny's impact, you know, on that drive, despite, you know, him not putting up big passing numbers, but just kind of how that was a key to the, to the game. And then you mentioned, uh, Kevin Harlan and Olivia Decker, I would imagine our note is pretty similar on that uh, duo because it's a father-daughter uh, duo, uh, Kevin Harlan and Olivia Decker getting to work a game together. They worked a, co- a few years ago on a regular season uh, Westwood One game, and you know, last year they worked the Chiefs-Steelers playoff game to become the first father-daughter duo to ever uh, be on a call of an NFL playoff game. And so Olivia Decker on the sidelines, uh, Kevin Harlan, uh, of course, up in the booth as the play-by-play announcer. And I actually got the chance to work one game with um, Olivia a few years back. It was actually down at uh, Tulane, of all places, an ESPN college football game. And uh, she was our sideline reporter for that broadcast. Uh, Dave Lamont was our play-by-play announcer, and uh, she was delightful. She was really um, a a great person and just did a a fantastic job and uh, really cool to see uh, following in her father's footsteps like that. Uh, My quick note is I was in the car listening, and I just found it to be humorous, I guess. I don't know what your opinion is on this. You have 
Father Kevin Harlan says, let's set it down to the field to Olivia Harlan Decker. Do you say, let's set it down to my daughter? Do you set it to, you know, like, <laughs> it's just not odd, like, knowing that that's his daughter, that he's being so proper. And knowing Harlan has a quirky sense of humor, I just thought it was funny that he, like, was very prim and proper about the fact that he was setting it down to his daughter. That was my note. Yeah, no, that that's that's interesting. And, you know, I've heard Kevin and, and Olivia both talk about it, so it's not like they keep it a a secret <laughs> necessarily and especially for for years you know um she was using the name olivia harlan and then olivia harlan uh decker like you said and you know um she's by the way you know do you know who her, who her husband is yeah you know, the name decker is um is it eric decker or sam decker sam decker the, um, the basketball the, player the, right, the nba Minnesota. uh professional basketball player yeah wisconsin and uh, the reason you haven't seen Olivia as much this past season during, you know, during the regular season, um, they recently had a a baby. And so, you know, um, a maternity leave of, of sorts. And, you know, so just kind of a, a cool story there, you know, uh, father daughter yeah. duo. Yeah. I, I, you know, when I was listening to the game in the car and I hear him throw it down to her, I just got to chuckle. Like, you know, that's his daughter. It must be a little odd that he's got to be so proper when throwing it down to uh, his daughter there, but uh, always great job, Kevin Harlan, Trent Green on the uh, Westwood one call. All right, let's go to uh, big in my neck of the woods. Joe Davis, Daryl Johnson, Pam Oliver, Christina Pink on Fox, Kevin Kugler, Ross Tuller, Tucker, Laura Oakman, uh, Westwood one, Kevin Kugler, former guest of the pod. Um, I've had Laura Oakman on my radio show. I've had Kevin Harlan on my radio show as well. So uh, got that. Laura Oakman, very good, knowledgeable. Uh, Westwood won, but this is a blowout game, so a little different when you're broadcasting a blowout game than a good game. Yeah, a blowout game, and I have to be honest, I left the game. I mean, we talk about this a bunch from a, a ratings perspective that you know you, you need a competitive game down the stretch, and certainly from an announcer perspective, you know the call is that much better when it's exciting down the stretch, and it's you know difficult at times to to keep the audience. And I was part of that audience that kind of bailed out on the game because it was it was so out of reach so quickly. And I actually went over to ESPNU because Dave Pash and Bill Walton were on the call, so I checked out some college hoops instead. Wow! So uh, no, I was in the whole time. Uh, I stuck in there till the end. Uh, Joe Davis, interesting. I mean, I, I obviously we heard him a lot with the Phillies, and, and now you're just kind of getting used to him with the baseball. Uh, I mean, with the football here. Um, the, obviously, this was their final game because the championship round, and then the Super Bowl will go to the number one team. Um, I'll be interesting to see what happens with this Brady. Does that mean that they move Olsen to Davis? I think that's going to be interesting down the road because I think Davis is pretty good. Daryl's solid. Uh, but I think Davis is a guy that um, he is very excitable, right? He's an excitable guy. So I'll be interesting to see uh, if they pair those guys up again for the future, what happens with Olsen. That's a good team to keep an eye on there. Uh, Kevin Kugler solid on the radio. Um, and then uh, Pam Oliver and Christina Pink both on the sidelines doing a great job. Yeah, and Pam Oliver, some some news reported uh, just in the last 24 hours or so by Richard Deitch. She's going to be returning for her 29th season of sideline reporting for NFL games. That, that's a big, big number as far as being in it for 29 seasons. And she does a, a, a great job over the years, one of, one of the, the best in the business, kind of has defined that sideline role in a lot of ways. And 
Um, you know, I, I've I've heard her on some podcasts and I've read some stories about Pam Oliver. And what people might not know is that she's battled through these chronic migraine headaches her entire life. And, you know, uh, sometimes that's uh, some very difficult situations in the middle of the action at the NFL stadium that she's had to, you know, sort through and and uh, deal with. And, you know, just makes it that much more impressive for her to keep on going here and, and uh, pretty cool to hear that she's coming back for a 29th season. All right, game three, Cincinnati-Buffalo. Uh, Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfs, and Jay Feely, CBS. Ian Eagle, Mike Mayock, Ross Tucker, who had double duty this weekend. He had the Eagle game Saturday night and Sunday um, afternoon. He does the Buffalo game. He's a sideline guy in this case. He was the analyst in the other game. Uh, so there's your matchups there. Tucker doing double duty, but a lot of social media conversation around the Nance-Romo team. And I, I will say this before we get into that. I do want to say having Jay Feely in that game I thought was helpful because of the snow. There were some field goal opportunities. So they go to Feely. Hey, tell us what it's like. Those, this is where, you know, having uh, that was really helpful. Not that Feely doesn't do a nice job otherwise, but that really is a guy that other stations don't really have as a kicker who can say, hey, there's snow on the field. What's it like here? Um, would have liked to hear what he was thinking in the Brett Maher situation if they could have had him on that Fox broadcast when he missed four extra points. Uh, but give us some thoughts on uh, the Nance Romo and why we think particularly Romo, we talked a little bit about this week, but he really is getting a lot of uh, social media the last couple of weeks. So Romo, Nance, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, it seems like the the second straight week that we've been talking about exactly this, and it, it seems to have only kind of exaggerated itself as far as, you know, people's opinions here. You know, um, six seasons, you know, in this role as the, the lead analyst for CBS and, and working with, with Jim Nance, and certainly, you know, the, the – um, you know, feelings about Tony Romo are much, much different than than when he started. And, you know, I watched the entire broadcast um, a second time um, on replay on, on the NFL Network. I, I was able to to tune in and just kind of have it in, in the background as I was doing some things. And, you know, I I agree with a lot of the, the, the complaints that it's just like it's too much. It's just like it's on and on and on, you know, kind of this, um, you know, uh, you know, just the the rambling at times and and also kind of getting caught off guard at other times you know there was a a, a clip that that unfortunately you know for him i guess went went viral where they had a stand up late in the fourth quarter and you know this is when for for those who aren't familiar with that term you know suddenly the you know the two um announcers in the booth uh go on camera for a report and it's kind of a uh you know, a rapid musical chairs, little thing up in the booth, you know, where they're, they're getting people settled pretty quickly and that kind of thing. And, you know, sometimes it it's happening uh, lightning fast. And in this case, Nance asked Romo a question and he was caught completely off guard, even looked like he was finishing chewing some food um, that he was eating. And, you know, that kind of thing. Wow. I mean, that's sort of taking it to another level of like, hey, you know, this may be be an issue here, especially when you consider, you know, the dollar figure um, that he's making and uh, certainly the level of these games, these shows, the stakes are so high, executives are watching all these things. And I guess the last thing I'll say is, you know, it doesn't come up often when producers or 
talent even, you know, uh, to one another, you know, play-by-play announcer talking to an analyst, talk about style and critique each other's style and say, hey, you need to do less of this and more of that. In fact, you know, a lot of announcers I've talked to over the years wish they got more feedback from um, you know, the, the, the management and that kind of thing. And that, you know, they're, they're figuring out a lot of things as they go, but there's this feeling of, you know, Hey, I'm going to let you have your, you know, poetic license and do be yourself, you know, when, when you broadcast this game, I mean, obviously there's some ground rules and that kind of thing. And so I can only imagine if CBS wants to have a conversation with Romo or if even Jim Nance wants to, how difficult that might be you know, to, you know, have that, that, and it might not happen, you know, and just because it it just doesn't happen. I, I can, I can count on one hand things that I've heard of over the years, as far as somebody saying, Hey, your style has to change, you know, especially at at this level, um, not to mention, you know, um, egos and contracts get involved in, in all these things. So it'll be interesting going forward. uh, You know, the 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 backlash was significant it wasn't just uh fans in in internet and twitter chatter you know this time there was a lot of uh sports media um not just well, beat reporters of, of the sports media beat but sports media who you 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 respected in a lot of ways as far as their experience being around the uh the sports world chiming in yeah. on it and so it kind of reached sort of this this next level uh, sort of deal as far as the the um, complaint department goes. So we'll see moving forward. I mean, hey, they've got another game this weekend, Bengals Chiefs. So we'll see what happens. Well, what I think the big thing is that I think, you know, he got paid a lot of money and it then snowballed to a lot of other people getting paid a lot of money. So now the microscope's out there. What it seems like Romo was excelling at that made people like him was he was predicting these plays and he was fun and he sounded like a fan and it was, you know, hey, Jim, here they go. They're going to go to the left side here. Watch them, watch them. And it seems like CBS maybe kind of told him to tone that down a little bit. And then he's been out of the game now for six, seven years. Is he doing the st- film study? Are these defenses changing on him? Does he recognize as well what he's seen? Or is he just kind of filler? Is he just throwing filler in? He seems to make a lot of generalized observations that – I can make, you can make. I don't want the quarterback that played 15 years in the NFL to give me some general, I want you to tell me what happened on the play. Conversely, when we look at Dallas, San Francisco, Kevin Burkhart, Olsen, that crew, Aaron Andrews, Tom Rinaldi, Olsen did a great job breaking down why Dallas fumbled the last 245 of that game, you know, he tells you the catch is made and Schultz needs to get up the field or the clock won't stop. He told us about, hey, they got to punt that ball quicker. You've got to get that punt off. You let 40 seconds roll off the clock. Olsen did a really good job of step-by-step telling us what we were watching and why it was affecting the game. So I took from Olsen as, man, I'm learning something. I'm understanding. Like, I don't know that the average fan watching that game knows that Schultz, who gets pushed out of bounds, but if he's not going forward, the clock doesn't stop. Olsen told me that. They right away recognized that Olsen's foot was not down, and therefore that ball was not a catch. But I thought the big thing was Olsen explaining 
They got sacked at 250. They got on the field at 245. They punted the ball back to San Francisco at 210. San Francisco fields the punt at 205. There's a 35-second gap in there that Dallas wasted. And he says, look, you punt that ball, you give them the ball at, say, 230. You take your timeouts on the front side of the two-minute warning. And this is an analyst knowing the rules and explaining to them quick and concise. You're not getting that on the CBS broadcast right now. Yeah, that you're right about Olsen. I mean, that was tremendous, That that uh, those explanations of the, the clock management and educating the viewer. Back to what you mentioned about Romo as far as, you know, how his style has changed since he began and that whole uh, predicting of the plays deal. You know, I've, I've heard most people uh, kind of seem to think that it's because he's now removed from the game. In those first couple years, everything was so fresh in his head from playing quarterback and for all that study he does in that quarterback room that it, it, it did come second nature and it was it was like it was like he he couldn't help himself and it was so easy going back to what i said before as far as you know tough conversations with with um you know uh, on air talent i i might be wrong but i don't think you know cbs ever told him to to change things i would imagine it's actually the these this other sort of hypothesis that he's gotten further and further away from the game and maybe he can't pull it off anymore you know, so he's he's not doing it. You know, so um, it'll be interesting to see. But you know, as the Romo critiques were continuing, the Olsen praise was was just as strong. We had a conversation on my radio show, and the guy that I do the shows with on Mondays uh, and Thursdays says, you know, he, he that Olsen's not doing it for him. And this is the interesting thing. I said I think Olsen's been great, but he's saying he's not doing it for him. Why? Uh, he doesn't have the voice. He doesn't have the name. How much does that matter, I guess, is a big question. Yeah, I I kind of disagree. You know, they, there's been plenty of, you know, top-notch announcers who didn't necessarily have, you know, um, huge uh, blockbuster careers where well, there's some so sort I of get, brand saying, name. Will, will that grow on people? You know, hey, Buck and Aikman, they grow on you. 20 years, they're the best. But will Burkhart and Olsen eventually grow on you? I don't know if Fox is even going to let that happen with this Brady thing. Who knows? But if Burkhart and Olsen do the Super Bowl and then they're back next year and they're doing games, do they start to become, hey, you know what? I do like these guys because you watch Olsen, you're learning something. I think they will if they if they stick together I, because I think they're they're that good. And, you know, it's not just Olsen. I think Burkhart's tremendous. And what a story that is. Like. Yeah. You know, this is his first year doing these number one games. Um, you know, he, he's got a few years under his belt now in, in terms of calling NFL. But, I mean, this is a guy, like, talking about a, an amazing backstory, if anyone ever gets the chance to, you know, to to dig into this. You know, he was a, a car salesman and, and, and barely making it as, like, you know, uh, on some small radio station up in north New Jersey. And then eventually you know, gets a break with a, with a bigger station and catches on with the, you know, the, the Mets of all broadcasts. So he's able to work with guys like, you know, Gary Cohen as their, as their reporter. And next thing you know, here he is calling the, you know, the, he's going to call the Super Bowl this year. And I think he does a great job. I think that's part of why everyone uh, is praising Olsen so much is because he sets him up so well. I mean, it, it he, the, the timing is outstanding between those two. Yeah. Well, uh, obviously those two, 
uh, have the Brady thing looming. So let's go to the Let's Go podcast. Tom Brady, what's your deal? Tom, you're leaving everybody guessing. Uh, you said you'll take your time. Do you have any type of a timetable as to what you might want to do uh, regarding your football career? Jim, if I knew what I was going to fucking do, I'd have already fucking done it. Okay? I'm taking it a day at a time. I sense you're antagonized by the question. <laughs> you're scratching. It's only the question scratchy. that everybody wants to hear. You're scratchy. I appreciate your asking. Thank you. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jim Gray asking the question. I got to tell you, this is highly scripted. I mean, do we really think Jim Gray ambushed him with a question and that Tom Brady didn't know it was coming and angrily cursed back at him in a response? Come on. Yeah, I mean they've they've been doing the show together for years, correct? It's like kind of like the exclusive. Yeah, this Brady is all part of the exclusive TV twelve. Like it's just another. You're telling me that questions that get asked on that show don't have to go through Tom Brady first. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah, absolutely. But it it doesn't um, change his answer as far as where True. we're at with things right True. like probably no. i don't think he knows what he's gonna do but i mean the way they set it up it was like a wwe skit like hey ask me this <laughs> right. and i'll answer with like i'm angry at you you know i, I don't know I, I thought it was a little hokey that's all yeah fair, fair point yeah <laughs> do we think that brady returns yes if he doesn't return i'll ask you phil do we see him in a fox booth next year well, we talked about this a little bit last show. I have no idea whether he he returns or retires or what, and certainly I'm not, you know, covering that story on boots on the ground or anything like that. But um, if he does um, retire and join Fox, it'll be very compelling what happens. You know, we've talked about time and time again that original announcement that he would, you know, join the the number one booth immediately upon retirement. That being said, you know, maybe that was just the, the the wording in that that press release at the moment, you know, and then you've got the the success of Burkhart and Olsen and you know the the universal praise of of that team. Uh, you know, three man booth, is that a possibility? Just using them in a, a studio situation, is that a possibility? Um, is it all a moot point because he's gonna play more football? There's just so many unknowns. All right, let's go to the championship weekend. Conference championship weekend is here. Don't forget, like, rate, review, subscribe to the Announcer Schedule podcast on the Sports Media Watch feed. Leave us a comment. Leave us a question. Leave us a five-star review, and we can keep doing the podcast for you. Taking a look at conference championship weekend. Fox has the NFC game, 3 o'clock. Burkhardt Olsen, Andrews Rinaldi, Harlan Warner Tucker on Westwood One Radio. Nance Romo, Wolfson Feely, and Ian Eagle, Tony Baselli, Laura Oakman on the AFC game. And obviously, uh, these are the two A teams. Yeah, the two A teams, you know, uh, one game, of course, on, on Fox, the other on CBS. And, you know, the, as we mentioned, you know, those those two crews that, you know, received so much publicity this past week, um, you know, for different reasons. We'll, 
we'll um, have another go at it as the stakes are even higher and the viewership's even higher in these championship games. And, you know, another, you know, solid, uh, you know, group working on the Westwood One side as well. Yes. All right. Uh, here we go to the NBA, but it has an NFL voice to lead things off here. Um, let's take a look at how Ian Eagle got us ready for a little NBA conversation. Against Heisman, help from Vincent. Flip, no. Knocked out of there by Adebayo. Miami, a chance to tie. Big finish. Call bam for the Heat. Capping off a 10-0 Miami run. All right, so Ian Eagle gets us started with a little NBA. He'll be on uh, the NFL on Sunday, Championship Sunday, but... Ian Eagle, fantastic call on that Celtics Heat game. Yeah, I mean, Bam Adebayo had an incredible game for the Heat as they knocked off the Celtics. And, you know, just another reminder of, you know, just how solid Ian Eagle is, you know, whether it's calling the NFL, the NBA, college hoops, you know, uh, I can't get enough of him. He, he He's right up there at the, the very, very top for me. Uh, also, Kevin Harlan, NFL NBA. He's got an NBA assignment coming up on TNT Thursday. We're recording this on Thursday. You may listen to it Thursday. If you hear it afterwards, you may have heard him, Reggie Miller, Jared Greenberg on Nick Celtics. You got ESPN Radio, Nick Celtics, Mark Kessischer, former guest of the pod, PJ Carlissimo, and then Brian Anderson, Stan Van Gundy, and Chris Haynes on the 10 o'clock TNT Mavs and Sons uh, Saturday. How about this? They're doing rivalry week here. And they're doing a triple header on ABC. Yeah, um, it starts off with, you know, uh, Nuggets Clippers with Pash, Hubie Brown, and Cassidy Hubbard. That's a 3 p.m. game on on, ES, on uh, ABC, rather, on Saturday. ESPN will be, you know, busy with, with college hoops. Uh, Knicks and Nets follows at 530 Eastern time. On ABC, that's Mark Jones, Doris Burke, and Malika Andrews. Another ESPN radio game for the, the um, you know, Mark and Kessischer and PJ Carlissimo team. And then the primetime game, Lakers-Celtics, that classic rivalry, 8.30 p.m. on ABC. Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, Lisa Salters, the, the same crew that caused the, the NBA Finals. And then another ESPN radio broadcast, a former guest of the podcast, Mike Cousins, and Monica McNutt in the analyst role. You know, you usually see her you know, uh, patrolling the sidelines, but uh, cool to see her getting some some work in that analyst chair. The Sixers, uh, that Sixers-Nuggets game's at 3 o'clock. That will not be on uh, ESPN radio, but it will be on TV. It's part of history for ABC, Phil. It's its first ever non-Christmas triple header on ABC. So this is called Rivals Week. They had the Sixers and the Nets on uh, Dave Pash and Doris Burke did the game on uh, Wednesday night, and the Sixers and Nuggets will kick off the first-ever triple header non-Christmas. We had Nick Friedel from ESPN on to preview that game, and uh, we got that little backstory about this is the first Christmas. I got that from ESPN here in my notes. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Very cool. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of makes sense. You know, people are in, um, you know, sports television mindset this time of year in the conference championship games in the NFL, you know, of course, take place on Sunday and, you know, middle of winter, you know, so people, you know, that's always kind of like an, an adage when it comes to, you know, TV programming that, you know, in the wintertime, more people are, are holed up in their homes with cold weather outside watching TV. So uh, we'll see how it goes, but it, it seems to, you know, certainly provide some, some great content for Saturday on the NBA side. All right. Uh, more NBA news. Let's get uh, a couple uh, news and notes here on some local NBA stories. Yeah. You know, the first is, you know, a, um, passing of Bill Shonnelly, known as the Shans. And if folks don't know his name, you know, he's been out of broadcasting for a little while. He's been doing some ambassador type work and that kind of thing, but he is a trailblazers original up there in, in Portland. Uh, he was the play-by-play voice for the Portland trailblazers from their inaugural 1970 season through 1998 and in 2012, he was given the Kurt Gowdy Media Award by the Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, he is who invented the phrase Rip City, which we hear all the time these days, and also had some iconic calls in that uh, Trailblazers Nash, uh, World Championship in the 1970s uh, with Bill Walton on the team and so forth, um, if you really want to dig back into the shine. So it was cool to see a lot of broadcasters um, paying tribute to him as far as, you know, his influence on them and, um, you know, rest in peace, uh, Bill, the Sean Shonnelly and By the way, Mark Sean Boyle. was the voice of the Blazers in 77 against the Sixers in their first and only NBA championship. Uh, he called that game June 6, 1977 at the Portland Memorial Coliseum, taking you back. Wow. Yeah. Take it, taking you back. No doubt. Talking about a, a, a different time <laughs> in so many ways. And then uh, over in Indianapolis, uh, Indiana Pacers broadcaster, Mark Boyle, who has been the radio voice since 1988 of the Pacers, he called his 3000th game over the weekend. So congratulations to Mark Boyle, another one of these big milestones and final note, another alternate telecast debuted this past week 
this one starring Bill Walton, and uh, it, it aired over on the NBA League Pass NBA app. I believe it's going to happen every week. Um, where they're going to pick an NBA game and give you an alternate broadcast. Jason Benetti is actually handling play-by-play, which is a very uh, loose definition of of play-by-play in this case because the two of them are sitting in Walton's home doing these games so you can only imagine the you know the the environment there but uh you know i wanted to mention that uh alternate telecast with uh bill walton now happening on the nba app yeah so good stuff there uh, by the way mark boyle over three thousand games as you said uh january 24th which was my birthday so we have uh that little thing going on for us mark boyle hey real quick camp. by the way we do want to wish you a happy birthday on, on behalf of the the podcast and you know the Everybody who who listens and follows the show, happy birthday, Mike! I, I saw you got to spend a little of, of it with uh, our buddy Sal Palantonio. Yeah, um, he uh, took me out to breakfast for my birthday on Tuesday. We had a little breakfast over at Uncle Bill's Pancake House in Ocean City. If anybody's local uh, who travels to the Jersey Shore, Uncle Bill's is a landmark uh, breakfast spot. And uh, we went over there with uh, a local guy, Johnny G, who is a fan of the show. He's a local real estate guy uh, that him and Sal are are buddies, and they took me out to breakfast. It was nice. Awesome. Good stuff. I hope you had a a wonderful day, and uh, happy birthday once again. Yeah, it's nice I'm getting old. It's nice to keep getting old, right? Uh, um, You know, I'm getting one. I say this is the one that hit me. It's my – I'm now one year closer to 50, all right? 46 is uh, where I'm at. So this is the first one that I was like, I'm I'm actually closer to 50 now than I am. Uh, 40, so, well, bummer. Uh, but let's get back into it here. College hoops, what about it? Jay Wright is getting some more reps. Yeah, so Jay Wright, you know, um, CBS has been using him in the studio, also um, getting him reps as a analyst. Um, you know, to this uh, date, he's worked with, by my count, you know, now three different play-by-play announcers. Uh, did a couple games with Tom McCarthy. Uh, did a game with uh, Spiro Didis, the Wisconsin-Indiana game, a, a couple weekends ago with Bill Raftery um, in the booth with him. And then this past weekend, TCU-Kansas. How about this trio? Ian Eagle, Bill Raftery, and Jay Wright on the call of TCU Kansas on CBS. Uh, that was last weekend. So we'll, we'll continue to, to monitor how CBS uh, uses Jay Wright moving yeah. forward. I, I was listening, by the way, just college basketball nugget, just to throw out there, former guest of the pod, Mike Cousins. He was on the radio call of that upset TCU against um, Kansas the other day. Kind of a blowout game, so it wasn't like this bone-chilling call. Uh, but he got a chance to sit there for – a really big upset in the Big 12. Uh, so shout out to Mike, who's been a guest of the pod. Uh, we also got play-by-play college basketball uh, this weekend. Yeah, that you know, there's some ESPN radio action this weekend. And do want to just take note of this pairing. Uh, Chris Carlin, uh, play-by-play announcer, is going to be calling a college basketball game on ESPN radio. That's the Alabama-Oklahoma game, 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central. Yep. Bob Valvano will be his analyst and you know I had the pleasure of working with with Chris Carlin for an NFL game this week or this this past season on ESPN radio doing stats for him and you know he he was outstanding and uh, looking forward to catching a little bit of his college basketball call this weekend yes. as well. Yes, uh, Westwood One's got Xavier Creighton with our buddy Kevin Kugler uh, this Saturday. Uh, he's going to be doing that. Now is Kugler calling that game on Saturday? I guess uh, Creighton and then heading to uh, what day is he doing? Well, Sunday, obviously. He's doing the NFL. So he's going to be doing college basketball Saturday afternoon. 
and then do an NFL. Uh, yeah, actually, Mike, um, the NFL announcers for Sunday. Oh, that was last week. Westwood one, right. Harlan and Eagle. That's yeah, right. that was so, last so, week. Kugler was on the NFL. Yeah, but but trust me, Kugler stays crazy busy as he documented when we, we talked to him last summer. Um, I mean, he does so many college hoops games during yeah. the week. It, it, it's unbelievable. Between FS1 and Big Ten Network, it seems like he's doing one virtually every night. Now, Wednesday, Villanova Marquette. This is February 1st. Lance Meadow and old Will Purdue is getting the call on Westwood One Radio. So how about that? Yeah, I, I I love Will Purdue. I actually got to interact a little bit with Will Purdue. Uh, he's a big NASCAR guy, believe it or not. And you know, he would he would come out to to NASCAR races and be a guest of some of the drivers. I remember him being a guest of of Jeff Gordon once and being down there in the in the pits right there with the the pit crew. You know, Will Purdue. Yeah. Well, I also got Sunday for you, Michigan State Purdue. Greg Daniels and Doug Gottlieb. That's a Compass Media game. Very good. So, yeah, as we get closer and closer to March Madness, you know, more attention on the sport of college hoops. Yep. Uh, there you go. Uh, how about a bizarre college hoop story? Why don't we throw this into the mix as well? Uh, this was, was it, I, I don't know, was it staged? Was it planned? Um, I don't know what to make of this story the other night in a game. It was uh, Loyola Chicago, right? Against, yep, um, Loyola Chicago Duquesne. Yeah. That's right. I, um, this was as bizarre of a deal as, as I've ever uh, witnessed. I, before I bring it up, the audio, what, do, do we think it was staged? Do we think it was done purposely? Like, the way I, – I don't know what to think of this. So, Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure either. After the fact, you know, people have come up with theories such as TikTok, uh, social media influencer prank, you know, which obviously, you know, is a is a world I'm not that familiar with. But, uh, you know, I guess the, the goal is you know, making things viral and, and pranks and that kind of thing uh, to ultimately, you know, become a star on yeah. on TikTok. Uh, the other theory is this is an Uber Eats, um, you know, uh, set up, you know, then they're going to turn it into a Super Bowl commercial of, of some type. And then I guess, you know, the the, the third, um, you know, possibility is this is actually, you know, actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> where, where somebody let him into the building and, and uh, he starts walking, you know. Uh, well, the announcer, I think court. I have I think I have the video now. Uh, that link that you sent me was not working, but I did set, find uh, some more video of this. So the announcers, I think, were making a joke out of it. Like he was delivering to the referee and the referee was like, no, I told you to come later. Uh, take a little listen here. We'll let it go into the bench and Loyola would take over 10 minutes before we get a stoppage. And we've got an official's timeout. Somebody came on the floor on the far side looking for an Uber Eats delivery or something there. He's carrying some McDonald's. Oh, this has to be one of the all-time uh, I'm actually not kidding. No, I, no, I this think, is the I truth. I think that's what's happening. This guy's in the corner. looked like he – was he going to deliver the, the McDonald's to somebody on the court? Can we rule that out? He's a <laughs> I mean, I think that's an Uber Eats sticker. Is that I, what that is? I'm trying to get confirmation. Uber yeah. Eats, yes. Maybe I'll put my hand up. I'm getting a little hungry. You can bring it over here. So we saw the stoppage. The, the man was ushered. Let's see if we can see this. Now, this is going to be the turnover in the There court. he is. There, right there, there, there he is. The yeah, yay, yay. So this guy's actually, who's he delivering it to? The ref. The, the, the ref said later. Give it to me later. Not I mean, now. Philip Alston's done a lot. I didn't think he needed a Big Mac for sustenance in the middle of the game. I know, but I'm not, well, the official out there, Tim, he, he distanced him like, I didn't say now. Later. 
that's got to be unbelievable. That's got to be something that the highlight shows are going to have a blast with. All right, there you go. So a little back and forth. Uh, Tim Benzie and Ellis Cannon are your back and forth announcers on that. Uh, I, I mean, it's a weird situation here, okay? I'm trying to wrap my head around this because normally when somebody goes onto the court, they don't give them attention. So it almost tells me, like, that they plan this or pay for it. Yeah, it, it, it's so bizarre. And I'll tell you what, if, if who, the delivery person, if it was indeed stage, I mean, what a job as far as an actor goes. He looked so oblivious, you know, uh, just walking down there like he was doing his job in, in the middle of the – uh, game action. Uh, Tim Benz, the play-by-play announcer. He's also the Steelers pregame host on the the Steelers radio network, and you know um, does a lot of stuff in in Pittsburgh. And Ellis Cannon, as you mentioned, his his analyst, and you know the the way they describe it. Hey, good job by the production crew to to come up with the the replay of you know the the Uber Eats uh, delivery person. But it'll be interesting. I'm wondering if there's any. Um, investigative journalism going on, actually trying to get to the bottom of yeah. the story by somebody. Yeah, I, I mean, normally when a fan runs onto the field in in a game, they, the cameras pan away. Here, they showed the guy, and they're giving Uber Eats all of this, you know, conversation. I, I got to imagine this was staged. I have to. It's almost you know too good to be true. Well, because but, uh, another yeah. thing, Phil, is if somebody walks on the court like that, you're not just like, "Hey, get off the court." Uh, security's coming and tackling that guy. Right. I don't know. Yeah, you, know, you see every once in a while in NBA games, people kind of walking on the court just a little bit. Yeah. But it's usually like it, it, the the security is helping out there to make sure that you know that the game actions on the other side of the court or something because every once in a while people are trying to get to those front row seats or even a a um you know a, a waiter um from you know the for that vip section is bringing drinks out and stuff for, for folks there but uh yeah you know maybe this was a perfect storm of you know game management and security um not really um paying attention and uh this delivery person somehow getting through the 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 uh you know delivery uh docks of the of this uh arena to to get down there it it seems too too perfect in so many ways but it sure got people's attention so if it was a prank uh i I would say for the most part you know um you you got the job done here yeah uh obviously we just spent uh, too much time talking about uber they got free (laughs) hey uber you can sponsor the announcer schedules podcast we got a spot for you right here on announcer schedules all right give us a couple more college basketball quips before we roll well, 35th anniversary of, you know, one of the greatest calls in all of sports broadcasting. Send it in, Jerome, by by Bill Raftery. Mike Gorman, who's the voice of the Boston Celtics, was on the play-by-play for this call. A lot of people kind of forget about that because, you know, so much emphasis, of course, is on Bill Raftery's call, the send it in, Jerome. But that was 35 years ago. They did a whole, um, you know, celebration of it. They had Jerome Lane um, on the court, you know, and, and presented him with, you know, um, you know, some gifts and, and had a, you know, the, the crowd going crazy up at Pittsburgh um, last night. They had all sorts of promotional items as well, but send it in Jerome, one of the all-time greats. 
Burton, little trouble. Now they loop it in the right, and nobody's home. Picked off by Miller. Goes ahead. Lane's on the other wing. He finds oh! it. Oh! Oh! Yeah! Send it in, Jerome! <laughs> All right, there you go, Bill Rafferty. Now, the interesting part about that, if you're wondering, send it in, Jerome, what's the reference if you're young and you're thinking... They had glass backboards, but they didn't have the breakaway rims. He broke the glass. He shattered it. Uh, and uh, it was like a celebration that you like. he accomplished this feat. Uh, Jerome Lane, great teams. Bobby Martin, Atlantic City High School grad. Sean Miller, head coach at uh, uh, Xavier, uh, Arizona. Where is he at now? Is he at, back at Xavier? Is he at Xavier again? Back at Xavier, yeah, right? Yeah. I thought so. Uh, they had some great teams, uh, those Pitt teams back then. I'm a West Virginia guy, so the heck with Pitt. Yeah, Sean Miller is who actually um, set up Jerome Wayne. He had the assist on that that fast break, and you can, if you watch the clip, you can see him kind of dishing it off to to Jerome Wayne. The production was outstanding. You know, for for being thirty five years ago, they really gave some great visuals of the of the backboard and so forth. And then as Mike Gorman and Bill Raftery continue to to riff about this uh, spectacle, you know, they they mentioned Daryl Dawkins, who back in those days was was shattering uh, backboards. Chocolate and the, Thunder. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, and, they, and then they, they say, hey, this is going to take a while because, indeed, there was so much shattered glass on the on the court and not to mention replacing an entire, um, you know, uh, backboard and, and so forth with whatever they had on on standby there. Uh, the delay had to be substantial, but just a great moment. And uh, it's fun when this time of year comes around every year because the, the clip gets resurrected. All right. Uh, another biggie story. I guess Pitt's no longer in the Big East, but they'll always be in the Big East to me. Uh, let's go down to Georgetown and get a quick announcer schedule note on the Georgetown uh, basketball team, which snapped a 29-game Big East losing streak. Can you imagine if I said Georgetown was on a 29-game Big East losing streak? The great Georgetown teams, John Thompson, Allen Iverson, Patrick Ewing, Alonzo Mourning, Dikembe Mutombo, uh, Victor Page, they would lose 29 straight games? Come on. 29 straight uh, Big East games, but the, the streak finally got snapped with this win over DePaul. John um, John Thompson, you know, the, the, the longtime coach, but Patrick Ewing, you know, the current coach of the, the Hoyas, and, you know, the, obviously a, a much, much needed win for the Hoyas. But the play-by-play voice of Georgetown basketball, Rich Chavotkin, and Chavotkin won a major award. He was named a um, – the winner of the Woody Durham Voice of College Sports Award. Woody Durham, of course, the longtime uh, voice of North Carolina Tar Heels basketball, the father of West Durham. And, you know, you look at the previous winners of the award, it was just established in in 2018. Uh, Don Fisher of Indiana, Bill Hillgrove of, of Pitt, Johnny Holiday of Maryland, Gene Deckeroff of, of Florida State, who's T.J. Reeves' uh, partner on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers broadcast, and Joe Starkey, who we've talked about on the show from Cal. And so, you know, th- this award goes to Chavotkin, who has been calling – Georgetown games since 1974. And just one more remarkable note about Chavodkin. He began, um, you know, um, with these Hoyas broadcasts um, back in 1974 because he was transferred to Washington, D.C. to work at the Walter Reed Army Hospital. He's a psychologist and he psychologist by day, broadcaster 
by night of college basketball. And the one season that he missed of calling Georgetown Hoyas basketball, he was deployed to the Middle East during the Gulf War in the early 90s, um, serving as a psychologist for the troops. So kind of an amazing story as far as, you know, his background goes and in, in the phenomenon of uh, Rich Chavodkin. But uh, really cool to see him win this award. And then just a day or two later after the award was announced, the Hoyas come up with that win to snap the win streak. Let's hear it. That 81-76 out of the backcourt, putting up a jumper off the back of the rim, no good. Zion Cruz, Hoyas win it. Hoyas win. 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 Georgetown finally gets off the schneid after losing nine straight conference ball games. Georgetown has their first conference victory of the season to go to one and nine. Congratulations to Patrick Ewing. As there you go. Uh, Hoyas win, Hoyas win. By the way, he's at Hoyas win on Twitter. Who knew? And one of the Twitter followers counted up the Hoyas win. 23 of them. <laughs> this was a case, you know, hey, team broadcaster, obviously huge, huge news. And, you know, we've talked about this before. There's There's spots where you um, you know, do, uh, in fact, cheer and, you know, you, you feel so good for the team that you've been covering all, all these years um, that, you know, that natural emotion comes out. Uh, all right, let's jump over to the NHL, which is uh, crossing over the halfway point of their season. They've got uh, the All-Star game coming up for them here shortly, as does the NBA. Uh, but uh, the NHL now uh, past the halfway point. Yeah, some some more games coming up uh, this weekend if you're checking out the show on Thursday. ESPN Plus and Hulu, you know, they've been putting a lot of resources into this package. You know, it's it's pretty much, you know, handled as if it was a uh, linear TV production as far as, you know, the the studio shows and just, you know, um, you know, the 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 resources put towards it. Mike Monaco will be on the play-by-play for Flyers and Wild on Thursday night. Red Wings Islanders, that's over on ESPN with uh, John Butchgrass on the play-by-play there. And then Blues Avalanche, another one of those ESPN Plus Hulu productions. And if you look at the announcers for this this uh, matchup, you can tell, you know, um, that indeed, you know, ESPN values uh, this package with Hulu. Uh, Blues Avalanche has Sean McDonough, Ray Ferraro on the call with Leah Hextall reporting. Uh, by the way, uh, it's two weeks away, uh, February 18th, but uh, Sports USA will be presenting the Stadium Series game. That's that outdoor game. So some radio coverage of that as well. That year, That's going to be uh, in your neck of the woods down in Raleigh uh, this year for Capitals Panthers. So uh, radio affiliates can pick up the Sports USA uh, outdoor Stadium Series game. And, you know, we, we know we have a lot of listeners who are in, like, the radio, play-by-play. You might be a broadcaster. Maybe you're a PD of a radio station, and you're not aware that you can pick these things up. Sports USA does college football. They also do NHL, so you can get the NHL playoffs, the Stanley Cup, and the Stadium Series, stuff like that. We talked about it earlier. Compass Media does college basketball, college football. They also do the NFL, so you get that. 
Uh, there's a lot of radio outlets, so if you're a PD out there, you can jump on. Um, we talk about during college football season a lot. You've got uh, Touchdown Radio. Um, there's one other radio outlet that did football this year, the National some, National Broadcast Network or something to that extent. They did. Uh, so if you're not an ESPN affiliate and you want to carry games, you got some outlets there. And if you're in a hockey area, you got Sports USA that does uh, some hockey uh, broadcasts, uh, and they'll have the stadium series coming up here on February the 18th. MLB, we got some uh, transactions on MLB. Yeah, uh, Chip Carey, this is pretty major. We were talking about, you know, the Cardinals opening and how, you know, um, you know, names were thrown around like Bob Costas and, and Joe Buck, amongst others, and, you know, um, some folks had turned down, you know, the Cardinals offerings, Reportedly, well, Chip Carey, yeah, yeah, big, big gig. I mean, big fan base, a lot of tradition. But they were going after some big names to take that role. Joe Buck, yeah, yeah, no doubt. Buck Costas doesn't get much bigger than that. And Chip Carey, who's been with the Braves for a long time and uh, is you know a a household name in in so many ways, reportedly is going to the Cardinals, which will open up the the Braves job. And you know, there's been some names tossed around already for the the Braves opening Mark Bowman the the Braves beat writer for MLB.com um, wrote the following Tom Hart and Ben Ingram are among those who could replace Chip Carey former Marlins broadcaster Rich Waltz has tied to some Bally Sports South execs as well but Bally's financial woes could influence the decision so that's Mark Bowman of MLB.com reporting that and you know as far as those names go Ben Ingram you know um, has been doing radio for the Braves for quite some time he's he's a very popular voice I just want to give him a shout out he actually did some mentorship to one of my students here at Brevard College this past summer um, who was working with the Braves over the summer. So I really appreciate him giving back to the industry like that. Tom Hart has been with ESPN and does a lot of stuff on the SEC network as well. And, um, you know, college football, college baseball, he's got some some minor league baseball experience in in his past as well as far as the play-by-play side. And then Rich Waltz. I mean, Rich is a guy who I've worked with a bunch because I I used to do um, Marlins television stats way back in the day. And Rich Waltz and Tommy Hutton were as popular of a duo as – you know, one could imagine for a major league baseball franchise and, you know, the, the Marlins, you know, aren't really the the most fun team or, or a franchise to follow in a lot of ways, unless they're winning one of those once in a blue moon uh, World Series that they tend to do. But these two were incredibly popular and kind of like, um, you know, appointment viewing in a lot of ways, as far as, you know, their their personalities go and so forth. And then suddenly there was some, you know, management shakeup, uh, ownership change, this kind of thing. And next thing you know, um, you know, uh, they've uh, moved on from Watts and, and Hutton. Hutton's kind of made his way back into it. But Watts then headed over to CBS Sports, where he does a lot of um, college hoops, uh, college basketball, um, you know, during March Madness, uh, college football as well. And he is as professional of a voice as um, you know, you could hear on air and uh, to me just does a, a rock solid job. So, you know, we'll see where the Braves go with all this. It was kind of interesting. You know, you see that report and then both Tom Hart and 
Rich Waltz had college basketball games uh, just last night. So, you, you know, when I'm watching a game, you know, it's always kind of going through my head. Wow. You know, like, are they uh, during the daytime, you know, uh, talking or being interviewed or, or what have you, or talking to their agent or whatever it might be. And then they've got the game at night, but both of them, you know, I, I got to tune into each of them last night. Uh, Rich was in uh, San Diego state for Utah state, San Diego state. And then Tom was doing the, the Auburn game and both of them, you know, um, were incredibly professional. So, you know, you got to keep on doing your job, even if you are perhaps, you know, talking to somebody, for the next gig, you know, so it's, it's kind of interesting just to sort of, you know, imagine being in those shoes, but, you know, uh, three solid names there, Ben Ingram, Tom Hart, and Rich Waltz, and we'll see what direction the Braves go. All right. Then another broadcast name real quick. Let's get to uh, the Mets hall of fame, a very popular broadcast with a couple of very popular broadcasters. Mets hall of fame and in, in inductees now, uh, Gary Cohen, you know, the, the TV voice of the Mets. And, uh, we mentioned Kevin Burkhart before, you know, Burkhart was once part of that crew that, that Cohen Hernandez, Ron Darling team that, that's so solid. And then also Howie Rose, the, the radio voice, um, also extremely popular. I mean, these, these guys do, do fantastic jobs and, uh, you know, big time, honor here going into the Mets Hall of Fame. All right. Uh, before we get to a quick story, TJ Reeves from Sports Media Watch Pod, we always love to hear broadcasters travel. We have a 20-year-ago-to-the-day travel story that we want to share with you guys. But before we get there, let's quickly, a couple rest in, or one rest in peace, and then a quick antidote before we get out to TJ. Yeah, um, you know, sad news over the weekend, Sal Bando, you know, who was all-star third baseman captain for the world champion Oakland A's in the 1970s. That A's team won three consecutive World Series, 1972, 1973, and 1974. Uh, he passed away. Um, a lot of tributes coming in for Sal Bando. But what folks might not know is that he was a broadcaster for a very short period of time. But you know, was elevated to a pretty high profile role. And he was on the B team for NBC's game of the week in major league baseball back in 1982 in his partner, Bob Costas. So, you know, when Costas really was getting started, as far as national television goes, he was working alongside Sal Bando. And then, you know, there was a anecdote uh, that we were able to dig up involving Al Michaels, you know, Bando, an Arizona state guy who uh, went, went on to win the college world series, most valuable player award. Al Michaels met Sal Bando because they were both standing in class registration line freshman year at Arizona state in Tempe in 1962 at age 17. The two of them are standing there and Michael says, uh, what are you doing here? And he says, I'm going to play baseball. And Sal says to Al, what are you doing here? He says, I'm going to be an announcer. And next thing you know, um, the rest is history. And Michaels is is calling World Series games and involving Sal Bando. So really kind of a cool um, set of circumstances there. And uh, yeah, rest in peace, Sal Bando. Um, you know, certainly the, the baseball world is has him on his on their minds. All right, good stuff. All right, well, we're going to get out on a quick story here. Super Bowl uh, 2003, that is Tampa Bay 
and uh, the Raiders. Where, where were they at at that time? Oakland, I guess. Uh, who knows what city they were located in at that point. The Oakland Raiders taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. T.J. Reeves was a part of the Tampa Bay broadcast team. And 20 years ago to the day we are recording this, <laughs> we always love to tell travel stories, and we have a quick one for you on our way out of the Announcer Schedule podcast. T.J., you were a part of it. Well, let me tell you this. First of all, it's great to be on with you guys. I love what you do. I love checking you out all the time. And you guys just taught me something. I never knew Sal Bando was paired with Bob Costas before Tony Kubek. And you got to appreciate this, folks. Uh, you know, those that are younger, you don't understand that we would typically only get a couple of games a week on national television. I mean, Phil, back me up on this. You you were You were going from Saturday to Saturday without a game in the middle. Sometimes you get like Monday night baseball on ABC. So you were glued whenever you got a Saturday afternoon game uh, where Joe Garziola was on it with Tony Kubek or Bob Costas with Kubek or Vin Scully with Garziola. And I did not know that Sal Bando was part of that on those NBC national TV games. They can't fathom in the present day that every game is not on TV everywhere, guys. So you yeah, taught that, me that, something today. That, that's right, TJ. Great to have you on here. And you know what? People might be wondering, well, what the heck did you do the rest of the week? And what we did was we read the newspaper. You know, we would and get listen the, to the radio and listen yeah. to like Al Michaels on the radio where he got his start or listen to, as you were talking about, uh, Chip Carey going to St. Louis. You're listening to Harry Carey or Jack Buck uh, do the Cardinal games on the radio. Uh, and on and on down the list, uh, Skip Carey, Pete Van Weeren, and those guys, you'd listen to the radio or read the paper. You didn't yeah. get to see games on national TV. Yeah, you, you'd study the, the box scores and the standings on, on, a, on a Tuesday morning when the, the paper got delivered to your, your front door. And then, you know, if you're lucky, if you're within the range of one of those stations, and, and in fact, some of those, um, you know, baseball broadcasts I know had, had pretty big wattage in terms of covering you sure. know, big parts of the country. But, you know, if you're within range of one of those teams, you could tune in and, and, and check those guys out at, at night. But, you know, wow. I mean, talking about a, a change in the media environment between uh, that time and today. Yeah, there's no doubt uh, about that. And we, we would probably leave somebody out. But like Ernie Harwell with the Tigers, uh, we mentioned Harry Carey, Vin Scully with the Dodgers. They were all known for radio. Well, how about this, Radio, guys? which we do the, before the story, they did TV. The story you're about to tell, Super Bowl thirty seven radio, Marv Albert yes. was on the call with Boomer Esiason and John Doherty and Warren Moon. Radio, Marv Albert oh. called the Super Bowl thirty seven. You were there. Yeah, well, and, and he did, I bet, I think about a decade or 12 years in a row, something like that in and around that time of Super Bowls. All right, so you guys love the travel stories. And I was talking to Phil off the air about this being the 20th anniversary. We're going back and forth. Phil's like, this should be on the podcast. We're going back and forth. This should be on the podcast. This should be on announcer schedules. So at that time, I am the radio play-by-play voice for the University of South Florida in Tampa. And we are at that time in a conference USA play before the Big East. And it's all kind of melded together because, Mike, I know you're a West Virginia guy. USF, South Florida was in the Big East for a little while. Now they're in the American Athletic Conference. But at this time, it was Conference USA, the Bulls with Seth Greenberg. Yes, the Seth Greenberg you see every week on ESPN on their coverage. We're playing a road game at East Carolina. So for the listeners, for the podcast listeners, they have to visualize this. Greenville, North Carolina, which is in the state where Phil is in, is all the way by the Atlantic Ocean. It by the way, is all my the way to the east. My girlfriend it, is an East yeah. Carolina grad. 
So she got rowdy at the Dowdy at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium with all the ECU Pirates. But East Carolina ain't easy to get to. And it's all the way on the Atlantic Ocean, basically, in Greenville, North Carolina. All right, so that is the Saturday night before Super Bowl uh, 37, Buccaneers Raiders, like you're, like you're mentioning. I'm also a five-day-a-week radio host in Tampa, and I actually have a credential to be at Super Bowl 37, but I haven't been there the whole week. I don't get to do the posh things like Mike Gill does, where he's there the whole week. He's hanging out. He's getting, you know, uh, freebie this, party that, golf involved in Arizona. You're going to be living the high life in Arizona. So I wasn't out in San Diego for the whole week. I'm with the Bulls. They're playing East Carolina. As I recall, it was a wild double overtime game 20 years ago on January the 25th, Saturday night, a double overtime game that USF eventually lost to East Carolina, and Seth Greenberg actually got thrown out of the game on a double technical foul, got kicked out of the game. All right, so that's memorable. I now I now hop in a rental car with Brett McMurphy. Yes, that Brett McMurphy, the insider, the newsbreaker, the, the college football insider guru information guy. He was the beat writer for the University of South Florida for the Tampa Tribune. We ride in a rental car back to Raleigh, North Carolina, about an hour and a half away. Again, I'm speaking Phil's language. In the middle of the night, and I'm flying on the first Raleigh to Atlanta plane to try to get to San Diego. Raleigh to Atlanta, Atlanta to San Diego. I get on, planes are on time, thank God, in January of 2023. I land in San Diego at like 2.30 Eastern time in the afternoon, four hours before the game. But here's the big thing, guys. So I've done this all day, travel, been up all night, done this basketball game. I still have to get a credential to get in and cover the game media-wise. And I tell this story to this day. So I get to the San Diego Convention Center downtown. It's now like approaching 3 o'clock Eastern time, three and a half hours before kickoff. They had been alerted that I was on the way. My Buccaneer radio people had alerted them. I was not yet on the game broadcast. They alerted them, TJ is coming. He has landed. He's on the way. I walk in, and the woman looks at me in the big credential center. And Mike, you've been in there. Phil, you've been in there. She says, are you TJ with the Buccaneers? She's pointing right at me. And I said, yes. Four people, I kid you not, stand up and start clapping (laughs) because they can now leave. I am the last credential for Super Bowl 37 on the morning of that Super Bowl. 20 years ago today when we're taping this podcast, I got a standing ovation at Super Bowl 37 in the media center, San Diego, downtown San Diego. Got the credential, got out to old Jack Murphy Stadium, whatever they were calling it, Qualcomm Stadium, uh, whatever. Got out there, got in the stadium about 45 minutes before the game, and I was there as the Buccaneers made history, first-ever Super Bowl win, and bashed the the Raiders. John Gruden's new team, the Buccaneers, bashed his old team, the Raiders. And there's my travel story of getting to Super Bowl 37 20 years ago today by way of Greenville, North Carolina, guys, all the way out to San Diego. How about that, too? We tied in uh, my ex <laughs> uh, my girlfriend's um college there east carolina uh and uh you from there to tampa (laughs) all in the same day well oh we love hearing the travel stories by the way that that's fantastic we love these we i got there i got there and i got to see it all yes phil yeah you know i was i was listening to your story and i couldn't help but think more about Seth Greenberg as part of it, part of it all, you know, um, greens Greenberg's got some, some Miami roots, you know, he was an assistant mm-hmm. coach at, at the university of Miami when they brought their 
you know, uh, basketball program back after it was dormant for a bunch of years. And he was a regular on Hank Goldberg's show. He'd come mm-hmm. on every March Madness and would give such expert analysis with a gambling, you know, tilt with with Hank Goldberg that it was just tremendous, you know, hearing those two go at it. And talking about full circle, we talked earlier tonight about the send it in Jerome uh, play, mm-hmm. you know, the famous call by Bill Raftery. Yesterday was the 35th anniversary of that play. Speaking of, you know, uh, you know, time flying by and anniversaries. Well, Seth Greenberg was on the call of the Wake Forest at Pitt game and was hanging out with Jerome Lane last night. You know, uh, on the ACC network, Seth Greenberg, along with Mike Monaco. So it all comes for a circle yes. in this world of announcers and uh, awesome story there, TJ. And I have been I've been floating this around since that moment has made it the rounds again on social media, video and ESPN showing it. Who makes the pass to Jerome Lane? Do you guys know this? Phil's not in his head. Mike Gill. Who's the pit well, Panther we, that passes we the ball showed, to Jerome Lane? We, showed, we played the audio earlier, and I saw the video, but I knew it was Sean. I was a big back then because Bobby Martin from Atlantic City High School played at Pitt on those teams. So I knew those there you go. teams really well with Sean Miller, Bobby Martin, Jerome Lane. Sean Miller on the pass for send it in, Jerome. I can't accept that that was 35 years ago. I do not want to accept that that Super Bowl story I just told you was 20 years ago, but it's 20 years ago, January 26th, 2003, and I had a heck of a time getting to San Diego, uh, but it was worth it. It was absolutely worth it. What what a time. There's only one first when the worst of first Buccaneers with Al Michaels, speaking of Al Michaels, and John Madden on the call on ABC's television coverage uh, calling the Super Bowl 37 win for the Buccaneers. Very good. Well, you know, as we get to uh, the Super Bowl, I'm sure we'll have plenty of other interesting stories leading us up to the big game, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, and, of course, uh, TJ, you could hear uh, with John Lewis on Sports Media Watch, uh, the podcast, and, of course, here on the feed, like, rate, review, subscribe, get it all out there. We'll continue to pump out the material and uh, tell great stories like that. Uh, TJ, thanks so much for sharing that little quip with us. Hey, let me pop in, and I was selling it to Phil off the air. Phil, did I deliver? Did I meet your approval and your standards on the story? That's not an ordinary travel story, brother, correct? Well, what I like the most about it, TJ, is the the visual of that credential staff because <laughs> I've worked I've worked some – I've managed some of those staffs in my, my PR days, and – yeah, you know, it's it's kind of thankless work, and it mm-hmm. takes a lot of diligence, and they're working hard back there, long, crazy hours, having to deal with, you know, media members like us and stuff. And, man, I mean, to to imagine this group of, you know, um, volunteers probably, you know, for the Super Bowl host yeah. committee suddenly feel like, finally, our shift, our project is complete. Thanks to TJ arriving. I think I, I think I think that's the only standing ovation of my broadcasting career from that group of four or five that were there, and they had something like five hundred or six hundred credentials at that time. Not everybody got to go in the in the stadium and be in the game. And Mike, I want to say, and Phil, I want to say it's now like fifteen hundred. It's like three times that. Yeah, but well, I was they... the last one. 20 years ago, I can verify I was the last one for Super Bowl 37. Yeah, well, uh, I'll be out there in Arizona in a couple weeks. i got to check my flight to see what time I'll get there. I don't want the people waiting for me. (laughs) All right, guys. uh, TJ, thank you so much, man. 
Great to be with you, boys. Keep up the great work on announcer schedules. All right. Thanks, TJ. TJ. Reeves and uh, Phil, we'll wrap up with you real quick as uh, episode 33 in the books. You know, it's funny because I look back at some of the games I did. I did a game on January the 26th, which is what we're recording today. It was just a meaningless UConn-West Virginia basketball game where UConn did what they always do to WVU, the women's team. Uh, they beat it by about 40. You know what it's like to call a 40-point? But I did a game in stores, and you do a game in stores, they clap and stand the whole time until the opposing team scores a basket. Well, West Virginia didn't score for about 10 minutes in that game. So I've been a part <laughs> of a lot of those games. And I actually have a quick story on that game. Um, I'm in stores. Talk about travel. We traveled there. The equipment, a piece of the equipment got lost in the airport. And we didn't have this piece of equipment that connected us to the station back in Morgantown. I had to do the phone on a handset. And I was calling the game on the phone. And and I was switching the handset back and forth as they went up and down the court. Um, but that was a game. It was right around this date. I was looking for the date if I could find it, but it made me think of traveling and losing stuff. I'm sure the big networks don't have that problem. They just go out and buy the piece or whatever. But I'm working for the campus radio station at the time, and we're just missing a cord. And I'm in. I'm, I'm on you know press row trying to set everything up. I'm looking up the clock. We got you know a half an hour. There's no way we're getting this piece. I said I'm gonna have to do it on the phone. And that tape I still have is labeled the game on the phone. So. Yeah, and, they, and those those experiences prepare a, a student broadcaster for for a career oh, in, yeah. in this deal. You know, they, 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 you 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 want some adversity to kind of you know uh, uh, test you out there. Yeah, uh, just to give you a quick uh, on those games. So one year WVU, they couldn't play any home games because they had asbestos in the building, so they had to play all their home games at like. You know, the men's team played in like Charleston, which is like a three-hour drive south. Uh, the women's team would play some games at, like, Fairmont State. But they played a lot of games at Morgantown High School, which is, you know, right up the street. Well, Gino Ariema was not thrilled about playing at Morgantown High School. The day the game's supposed to happen, Morgantown High has a pipe burst, and it floods the place out, basically, so they can't play um, there. So they had to reschedule the game. They end up rescheduling the game. UConn 100 WVU 28. You think Gino wanted to set a message of you put me in a high school gym, I'm the number one team in the country. That's a game that wasn't any fun to call either. Ouch. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember covering some um, UConn women's basketball games when they would play uh, University of Miami back in those Big East days. And I can just imagine also they would bring a horde of uh, beat writers with them wherever they would go as well. You know, all those um, – towns up in in connecticut you know all with their own newspaper and it was like the for women's basketball they they would have a traveling group of like 15 media members coming in to to cover a, a road game for uconn and you know we would have oh, yeah. to accommodate them and all that but i can only imagine at, at a at a location like that you know um taking care of the media as well had to be a challenge yeah oh listen uh it's it's a uh, big time up there uh, the women's team, which they should. They're great. They're, they're consistently great, but they have a great following, and uh, they sell out virtually all the time uh, when they play. All right, there's a couple quick uh, stories as we get out of here on this one. Uh, for Phil, I'm Mike. This has been Episode 33 
of the Announcer Schedule podcast. We'll be back next week with more. Get you ready for Super Bowl. And hopefully my guys, the Eagles, are in there. Go Birds! We'll talk to you next week here on Announcer Schedule Podcast.